God's hand is upon uh, a person, it, there's a great responsibility that goes with it. Um, it's not just all, uh, you know, uh, bells and whistles, kicks and giggles, or however you want to describe it. There, there's um, a trying and a testing time to it all. And so um, David was, um, was being tested, and part of it he was being tested was he became the target of King Saul's jealousy. And this was not uh, something that was easy, I'm sure, for David because he greatly admired uh, King Saul. But there's something that happens early on in David's life that shows his disposition. And that is that when, he, when David was basically a fugitive, he was on the lamb, as they would say, he was running for his life, he uh, became very hungry and was destitute because basically there was a bounty out on his head. King Saul had said, you know, if you kill him, you're going to get such and such. And so David is hungry, David is lonely, David is destitute, but David does something that's so important. David goes to the temple. He goes to the high priest. And when we are hungry, we need to always make sure we go to the right place to fill that hunger. And we've got to go to the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to go to the house of God. We've got to go to the things of God. Now, let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 1. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech. Now, understand this. He was putting these people's lives at great risk by even going to visit. Does that not sound like COVID-19 season? Well, I don't want to put anybody at risk, you know. But David put this priest's life at risk by going there. Watch. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech. Nob was the city area where the priests, the Levites lived. The priest in Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. So he knew what it meant. And he said unto him, why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto him, like the priest, the king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand or what there is present. David is hungry and David goes to the priest and he's so hungry, he wants the bread that they would use in the practice of the temple. And there was hallowed bread and common bread. And of course, it goes into these details. But suffice it all to say that David is hungry. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, uh, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common yea though it were sanctified this day in the vessel now I don't want to get lost in the weeds here of all this but basically there was different kinds of common bread and there was hallowed bread and you couldn't partake of the hallowed bread unless you had separated yourself unto uh, the things of God for a particular period of time so they're going through whether or not it would be proper uh, for David and his men to take this hallowed bread because there was no common bread. Verse 6. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. So we read those verses to establish this. When David was young, 
And David was just starting out. When David got hungry, he went to the house of God. The next time we see that he's hungry, he takes a different path. Now I want you to look over in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 2. Now we've progressed. David is still a fugitive, but now David has got, uh, I believe at this point, 600 men that are with him. They're out in the wilderness. Um, they're fugitives. Uh, the king comes out occasionally. King Saul with his army and hunts him down and, you know, God keeps protecting him. But they basically don't have a home. Uh, they're on the run. There were many uh, sleepless nights, many uh, nights of hunger. Uh, there was, it was basically survival out in the wilderness. And so um, 1 Samuel 25 tells a story about uh, David and his men that were in a certain area where uh, there was a rich man that lived and, and he had flocks and shepherds and so forth. Back then, of course, you know, your wealth was measured by your, your flocks and your herds. And, and, uh, and this guy's name was Nabal and he had a lot of flocks and sheep and herds and so forth, animals and oxen. And, and, and David and his men were kind of camped in the nearby area. And uh, there, were, there were times whenever, uh, you know, people, uh, nomads and people that would come from other areas, they would come and they may be a threat to the men. So David's men had just kind of protected this area. And uh, then they got hungry and they thought they would, uh, they would go and uh, talk to Nabal and see if he would maybe give them some uh, food because... They had been there helping him and protecting his shepherds. So here's the story. 1 Samuel 25, 2. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in, in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now that's interesting to me. That this man, Nabal, and we'll, we'll read a little bit more about him. But he was of the house of Caleb, meaning that he was a descendant of Caleb. Do you remember who Caleb was? Caleb was the one, the, the spy that came in with Joshua. And they were the ones that did not doubt. The, the 12 spies that spied on the promised land when the Moses and the children of Israel were getting ready to go over Jordan to the promised land. They were the ones that said, we can take the land. And there were at least uh, 10 spies that said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, of course, Joshua becomes the leader after Moses, and he's greatly used of God, and they take the city of Jericho. Well, Caleb was the, his, his, uh, you know, his comrade in arms, so to speak, and Caleb was very blessed. He went in, he was an older man when they took the promised land, but he said, "I just give me that mountain, I'll, I'll run everybody out of there that don't belong. He was, uh, he, he was quite a dude. And uh, this, this Nabal was a descendant of Caleb, meaning, and this is important, Nabal had been very blessed because of who his forefather was. The blessings had flowed down, but he had been blessed so much that he became selfish. Verse 4, and David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep, and David sent out ten young men, and David said to the young men, Get up, Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I hast heard that thou hast shears, now thy shepherds, uh, which were 
uh, with us. We heard them not. Neither was there aught missing among them. We didn't try to steal from them, rob from them. And, uh, you know, they're shearing the sheep. That's the time. That's kind of like when you're taking the money to the bank. Uh, you know, they were vulnerable. They could have taken advantage, but they didn't. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes. For we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, and to thy servants, and to thy son David. You know, if you could help us out, we'd appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and they ceased. So they said all the things that David told them to say. When you go to Nabal, tell him this and this. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David? I don't even know who you're talking about. You're all servants of David. David who? And who is the son of Jesse? I don't know who you're talking about. You're presenting this guy's name like he's royalty. Our master David, the son of Jesse. I don't know who David is or who Jesse is. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. It doesn't mean anything to me that you protected our servants. Or I don't know who you are. Maybe you're breaking away from your master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? Am I going to take what belongs to my crowd and my family and my workers and give to you guys? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things. So they returned back to David. They tell David this story about what happened when they went to Nabal. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. So David is hot. David is upset. He takes two-thirds of his army to go and deal with Nabal. And he has all intentions of taking him out. Exactly. He's going to take him out and take his stuff. And one of the young men told Abigail, you remember now, Abigail's Nabal's wife. Behold, David sent messengers down the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were uh, conversant with them when we were in the fields. So they come, the guys that were in the field, they come and they said, Abigail, uh, these guys were in the field, they were very good to us, they, they helped us, and now... They've come and asked the master, and this is the way he treated him. And there were a wall unto us both night and day, all the while where we were there keeping the sheep. He said, they protected us. They were like a wall to us. These 600 men, yeah, they're strangers, but they've proven themselves by how they protected us. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master. But this crowd is now coming after our master. And against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial. They're talking about Nabal now, the boss man. They're saying he is a child of the devil. Belial is the devil. Nobody liked this Nabal. I mean, he was just an old, grumpy, rich dude that was just mean to everybody. That a man cannot speak to him. In other words, there's nobody that can tell him, Nabal, you're wrong. So we've come to you, Abigail, because... Bible said she was a woman of good understanding. Then Abigail made haste. She knew her time was limited. She took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys. And she said unto her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. She's basically going to go out there and try to meet him before they get to the house, David and his men, and, and bring a peace offering and bring food. And, and David said... I'm skipping now down to verse 32. 
So she goes over there and she bows herself to the ground and she says, don't do any harm. Here's the food and I'm so sorry and my, my husband's got issues and, and I'm so sorry. And she apologizes for him and this and that. And, and she bows down the ground and she brings all this food and so forth. Now verse 32. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house. Verse 36 now. Like the feast of a king, Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. Literally, basically has a stroke. Verse 38, and it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. So Nabal, this, this, this rich man who refused David, his wife goes out and gives a peace offering and, and he's very thankful for it and they don't do any harm to Nabal. Nabal goes back, has a big party, has a stroke. Finally, Abigail tells him uh, what she has done after 10 days he dies. Verse 39. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach. David realizes that God protected him from taking revenge. Now, David lets us in on a little something. It's really important to see these little words. He says, I was going to take revenge for my cause. Let me break it down for you. David had a wounded spirit. And he was going to solve it in the flesh. And literally, God protected David from David. You know how many times the Lord protects us from ourselves? We get hurt. We get wounded. And we say, I'm going to do something about this. And the Lord says, whoa. Easy trigger. Let me take care of it. We would do well to back off and let God take care of some situations. Sometimes you and I just got to let go of the steering wheel and let God work it out. Everything will come about in the right timing. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, so he says, Bless the Lord, he hath kept thee from evil. The Lord hath returned this wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. Basically, the Lord took care of this situation. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. So David says, you know, I really liked his wife. Abigail had a great spirit. She brought me all that food. Way to a man's heart's through his stomach. Hello, somebody. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail, to Carmel, they spake in her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife and she arose and bowed herself on her uh, on her face to the earth and said behold let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my lord she had a, a servant spirit verse 42 and abigail hastened arose and rode upon donkey with five damsels of hers that were after her and she went after the messengers of david and became his wife so David, this is interesting, because this is really subtle. 
When David was first hungry, he went to the house of God. But now David is in a situation where he decides to satisfy the the hunger of his flesh, which was revenge, by taking matters into his own hands. God saves him from that, but then David rewards himself by taking Abigail. Now, at first glance, it may appear, what's the problem with that? He takes Abigail to be his wife. She's a widow. Uh, David is out running. Now, Saul had given him, you know, his daughter, uh, Michal, to be his wife. But then when David became a fugitive, I'll, I'll read this to you a little bit later on. He, he, gives, he gives her to another man in the kingdom. So David is out there. Here, here's a, I mean, it doesn't appear at, at first glance that there's any problem with uh, David asking uh, Abigail to be his wife. Although you could say he was taking advantage of the moment. Right? But there's these next few verses that just shows us that there's a possibility that something started here that ended up metastasizing into eventually what we know to be the sin of Bathsheba. Look at verse 43 and 44. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel and they were also both of them his wives. But Saul had given Michal his daughter, David's wife, to uh, Falti, the son of Laish, who was a person, as I said earlier, that was a man that was in the kingdom. So David uh, falls in love with Abigail in her, in her spirit of humility, and certainly he's grateful for her coming to him and keeping him from taking the life of Nabal. He does give God credit for the intervention, but he takes Abigail to be his wife, and then he takes another lady, Ahinoam, to be his wife. If I can say it this way, he starts to satisfy the appetite of his flesh in secular ways rather than in spiritual ways. And the problem with this posture is that it increases the appetite of the flesh. It doesn't appear at first glance. But have you ever looked at David's life and wondered, David, how did you get so far out over there that you, you take Bathsheba and then you have her husband killed to cover your sin? When you are a man after God's own heart, how did you end up way over there? I have 15 minutes to build this case and establish it before you. But here's where I want you to know, and this is where I'm going. It started right here. Started right here. What we read about in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 with Bathsheba and the affair and then the adultery and, and then the, the killing of her. It started with how David responded to the thirst for revenge that he had with Nabal. It started with a wounded spirit. And the Bible says that what happened with Bathsheba displeased the Lord. 
And the example that Nathan gave David to show him what he had become, and that was this rich man that had all of these possessions. And he took this little lamb from this neighbor. You remember? We read it in our text. You know what, you know what Nathan was telling David? You have become what you despised. You became Nabal. You became the rich man. God blessed you. But he blessed you and you took advantage of it. You became what you despised as a young man when you were on the run. You've become rich and selfish. You've become entitled. I say to this great church today, it is possible for us to become so blessed in America, in the presence of God, partaking of the things of God, that we can become so fat and happy that we forget of where God brought us from. I think every day we ought to establish, Lord, I don't have no business to be here, but you've been good to me. You took me when I was just a shepherd, when I didn't know which way to turn. And you're a God that has given me a family, and you've given me health, and you've given me blessings, and always stay appreciative. Let me show you how this progressed. Second Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. How are we doing on time? 11 minutes. Now there was long, thank you. Now there was long war between the house of David and the house, and the house of Saul and the house of David. So these, you know, it's still battling. David's a renegade. Saul's the king. He's definitely got the power position. And he's, he's, he's trying to take out David. He knows the hand of God's upon David. And there's a great struggle. But as it is with all things, if God be for you, who can be against you? Uh, so the long war between Saul and David, but David waxed stronger and stronger and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And unto David were sons born in Hebron. And his firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and his um, second, uh, Chileab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third, Absalom, the son of uh, Micaiah, the daughter of Talmeh, king of Geshur, and the fourth, Adonijah, the son of, of Haggith, and the fifth, um, Sephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ethriam, by Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. We have gone from two wives to six wives. And apparently that's not enough. Because later on Abner, now Abner was the captain of the guard for King Saul. And, and after King Saul and his son Jonathan died, Abner uh, picked uh, uh, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, to be the next king. And so Judah uh, took David to be the king, but Israel, uh, Abner being the, 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 the chief of the guard, he established Ishbosheth to be the king. And then finally, um, after a while, uh, the king, and he said, but one thing I require when thou comest to see my face. He has got six wives already. 
And he's saying, if you won't make a deal with me, you need to get Mikkel and bring her down because she belongs to me. Verse 14, and David sent messengers to Ephbesheth. Now he sends messengers to the king, Saul's son, saying, deliver me my wife, Michal, which I, I espoused to be for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. I'll tell you about what that means in just a minute. And Ephbesheth sent and took her from her husband, even from uh, uh, Fatil, the son of Laish. That's the guy, you remember, that the, the king uh, Saul had given to. Uh, and, 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 and the Bible, <laughs> oh my word. The Bible says that they take him, they take her to lead her uh, over to David and, 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 and the husband just goes along behind her weeping the whole time. And finally Abner says, you need to go back to your house. And the guy's like, okay. And he turns and goes back to his house and they lead Mikhail over to David. Now, no doubt David feels like, even though he's got six wives, he feels like she's owed to him. I, she was given to me when I killed Goliath. She should have never been. Could some things that we have lost we didn't really lose at all it was God giving us a gift talking about relationship and marrying you for something could it be that God was saying it's not going to be to your detriment it's going to be for your benefit and so many times we want to try to go back and get it because we feel like we're owed that but it could be that God has removed it for a purpose this number seven this woman was a thorn in David's flesh. She mocked him. She despised him. Still, David wanted one more. And the Lord kept allowing him to fulfill his appetite with more wives. He becomes king over Israel, and the fun continues. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 12. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he'd exalted his kingdom for his, after he was come from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David. And these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem. Shemuel, Nathan, Solomon, a whole bunch of... Say, well, Pat, this business did not start until the children of Israel came into the promised land. If you go back and you look at Moses and you look at Abraham, wives we should have. So please do not misinterpret this. I see people with great big question marks over their heads. When they got into the promised land, when they got into the land of blessing, they didn't know how to say no to their appetite. While they were in the wilderness, while they were in captivity, they were happy. When they started being blessed of God, the Lord allowed them. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Now, I stayed up last night. Till 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't go to sleep until I went to sleep at 3. But I stayed up till 2 looking for this one verse. I'm going to read it to you right now. And I couldn't find it. I knew it was in the Bible. I looked the entire Bible over. Because I knew there was a verse that said the kings were not to multiply wives to themselves. But I couldn't find it. And you don't ever hear anybody preach about it. And I couldn't find, I was trying to look at words, but they were too general. Wives, king, multiply. It was just, so I went and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And I finally found it at 2 a.m. You have to listen quick because I haven't even tied all this up yet. All right, here it is. Thy God giveth thee. They're not even there yet, but you said it's coming. 
when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me like as of all the nations that are about me. Everything he said they were going to do, they did. When you go in the land, you take it, and then you say, I want a king like everybody around us has got a king. Why can't I have a king? Everybody else has got a king. Did they not do all of that? He told them they were going to do it. When that all happens... Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among the brethren, shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses, for as much as the Lord hath said unto thee, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither, here it is. Deuteronomy 17, 17. I'm so thankful the Lord gave it to me at 2 in the morning. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. That his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. David, you weren't supposed to multiply wives to yourself. Now you were a man after God's own heart. You were a great songwriter. You played a mean harp. But you never figured out how to say no to the appetite of the flesh. Now, how did David get in trouble with Bathsheba? He didn't start with people, the armies, the Bible said, went to war and David stayed home. Yeah, if he'd have stayed busy doing the work of God, he wouldn't have had all that idle time and got in trouble. But it didn't start there. It started a long time ago when he was first hungry, he went to the house of God. The second time he was hungry, he took matters into his own hand. And it kept multiplying through his life. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can learn how to make a correction early on and say no to the appetite of your flesh, it'll save you from problems down the road. That you look at and say, how did I get this far, God? I'm telling you how you got that far. It started a long time ago when you just gave yourself a little reward because you thought I deserved it. And you gave yourself a little something else because I deserve it. And you gave yourself a little. And I want to ask you this question that is the title of this Bible study. How much is enough? Because when it's all said and done and Nathan is shaking his little bony finger in the king's face, he said, the Lord gave you all of these wives. He allowed you to have them, even though it was a violation of the law. The Lord's given you all these blessings. And if that wasn't enough, he would have given you more. You took something that didn't belong to you, David. And now you ought to read the consequences. You're going to have chaos in your family from now on. Because you never learned how to say no to the appetite of the flesh. Would you stand to your feet? We've been greatly blessed, folks. God has been good to us. But God is saying, I want you to get hungry for the things of God. I've blessed you. I've not kept anything from you. But you got to learn how to be hungry for spiritual things. Would you lift up your hands all over this building? Would you lift up your voice right now? Lord, I receive your word. Hallelujah.